Picture it. Sicily, 1922. I kid, I kid. We are not doing another show about the Golden Girls. However, let's picture something else. There's an ominous-looking sky and clouds above, flashing quickly as they pass by. Horses cascade across the setting sun on the horizon. Flames, for some reason, burn randomly in the left-hand corner. There is no fireplace or campfire, just flames. A man, who appears to be maybe mid to late thirties, appears. He has long, wavy, dirty blonde hair. The horses then come back, as do the randomly placed flames. A shot of a large lake at sunset appears. Cut to the horses and flames again. Then, our sultry star returns, this time with a knee-length beige suede jacket, his chest hair now exposed through his white-collared button-down shirt. This is not a passage from a grocery store romance novel, but rather the first 30 seconds from the music video for the song Said I Loved You, But I Lied by Michael Bolton, which was probably my sister's favorite Michael Bolton song. I am not quite sure how my sister became such an enthusiastic fan of his, but for some reason she developed quite the obsession with him toward the end of her life. She played this song over and over again while my family and I were driving together one of the last times that I saw her. She kept making it seem like the next song she was going to play would be something different, but she continued to put this song on repeat, much to our dismay and her satisfaction. Due to a medical situation that my sister had, for the last few years of her life, she often sat in the front passenger seat of any vehicle that she traveled in. As a result, she was often in control of what music was played. That was really a blessing and a curse. One other example of her unrelenting desire to drive me absolutely nuts with her music choices came when she, myself, and my mom were driving to visit my grandfather. Although I'm sure I had used the facilities prior to our departure, let's just say I probably drank a little too much water and coffee that day and suddenly needed to use the restroom really, really bad. Okay, the train needed to pull into urination station. Okay, there, I said it. While on the way there, her phone was connected to the speakers in the car and she blasted the sound of rushing waterfalls and rain for the remainder of our ride there, despite my demands and pleas expressed while hunched over in a liquid-induced pain that she turn it off for the love of God. She didn't, of course, and with a sinister laugh, she played the Bed Bath & Beyond relaxation CD sounding music until we pulled in and I immediately ran out of the car to find the closest restroom. This was classic Becky. It was certainly frustrating in the moment, but absolutely hysterical in hindsight. Back to Bolton, though. At 67, Michael Bolton has led a life that is so much more interesting than you may think. If ever there was a performer that was determined to succeed despite many, many setbacks, it was him. An illustration of this is prior to his explosion onto the music scene, he had nine failed albums in 18 years. On today's show, you will learn all about the life of Michael Bolton, a man crush for many a middle-aged woman everywhere in the 1990s, and my sister, of course. We will discuss his early life, his struggle to show the world his talents, his success, and his humanitarian endeavors. So put on your button-up denim shirt, tuck it into your denim jeans, and stand in front of the Grand Canyon with your fists clenched while singing to the heavens. Here we go.
Hello, and thank you so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show inspired by, and in memory of, my big sister Rebecca, and her love for all things pop culture, especially the people, places, and things of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and I'm your captain aboard this pop culture time machine. You are tuning into episode number nine, Michael Bolton, one of the most successful musicians of the 1990s who is still going strong and honing his craft as he ages like a fine wine. Although my sister was not middle-aged in the 1990s, she somehow became a huge fan of his towards the end of her life. After learning more about him, I can see why he became such a well-known and respected performer who has been in the music industry for about 50 years. In an article from the Jewish Virtual Library, written by a woman who, it sounds like, has a bit of a crush on him, penned quite the pre-interview romanticized report on Michael Bolton. I imagine many of his diehard fans view him this way. Forgive me as I am incapable of reading the following excerpt in my normal voice, but I have to do so in my sensual narrator voice. I really blame my sister for this as we both constantly change the tone of our voices depending on the situation. But anyways, the author said, quote, His soft, kind eyes are as luring as a sky-blue pool on a steamy summer day. You want to jump in. You want to luxuriate in the kindness they extend. But the warning sign soon becomes apparent. Private property. No trespassers allowed. If eyes are supposed to be the windows to the soul, Michael Bolton has drawn the shutters. Although a glow of the man comes through, they are nonetheless guarded, wise, discerning, and savvy to the subjects of their scrutiny. If one desires to get to the essence of this singer-songwriter who has lyricized and vocalized humanity's most profound emotions, it won't be through his baby blues, but rather his lips, the same lips that have kissed his three little girls goodnight, the lips that have loved the world's most beautiful women, the lips that have told critics to kiss off, and the lips that advocate for vital humanitarian causes, but Michael Bolton offers no lip service and puts his money where his mouth is. That being the case, Bolton has invested wisely. With indisputable talent, a love for singing, and a single-mindedness about his passion, his life's course was set since childhood. End quote. Get a room, lady. Oh my god, if you love him so much, why don't you just marry him? Anyways, speaking of childhood, let's get to his early days. Michael Bolton, known professionally as Michael Bolton, was born on February 26, 1953, in New Haven, Connecticut. He was the youngest of three children born to parents, Helen and George Bulletin, who were of Jewish descent. His brother's name is Orrin, and his sister's name is Sandra. Both his maternal and paternal grandparents were Russian Jewish immigrants. Michael's father worked for the city of New Haven, and his mother was involved with women's organizations. In later years, she would work at a crisis center. He was raised in a very liberal home where his parents taught their children to love and respect people from all backgrounds, which has stayed with him his entire life. That was a pretty progressive way to raise your children, considering segregation was still happening until the mid-1960s. Early on, Michael developed a love of music from all genres. Part of that love came from his older brother, who would often play music for him to help expose his little brother to all different kinds of music. He developed a strong interest in blues music, especially musicians from the city of Chicago. Around the age of seven, he started to play the saxophone. By the age of roughly 11 or 12, he started to hear and learn lyrics for music as well as understand their melodies, which sort of reminds me of one of my favorite artists, Justin Timberlake, 
who also at a very young age had kind of a deep understanding of music and was able to harmonize with music that he heard on the radio. His parents would eventually divorce, and when Michael was 13, his father, sadly, passed away. Around the age of 14, one of Bolton's friends taught him a few guitar chords, and shortly thereafter, Bolton learned even more chords on his own. Later in his teenage years, he began playing music and singing in bars. He really wanted to pursue a future in music. His mother was very supportive of his aspirations. She even allowed Michael to have a drum set in their basement apartment. During what would have been his freshman year in high school, he was tutored, and when he was 16, his mom signed off on the papers needed to withdraw from high school. And amazingly, he was offered his first record deal shortly thereafter. His mom actually had to co-sign on the record deal because he was still a minor. His strong work ethic was apparent early on. He wanted to make sure to create the best music possible and do everything he could to gain as much knowledge about music performance as he could. Sadly, after just one year, he was dropped from his first record company. They softened the blow by mailing him a letter that said, You are free to pursue options with another company. Which sort of reminds me of dating as a teenager, where the eventual dumper says to the dumpy, We should take a break, which really means we're breaking up. I just don't have the guts to say that just yet. But anyways, beginning in 1975, he recorded two albums with RCA. He learned a ton along the way and spent a lot of time in the recording studio, but he was also dropped by RCA. Also in 1975, he got married to Maureen McGuire. They would go on to have three daughters together and would eventually divorce, but that was much later. He was then picked up by a production company that would go out of business while he was signed to them. He had already completed an entire album, but it was not released prior to that production company's demise. Michael struggled to provide for his family during this time. He had to figure out how to somehow provide for his family and pay his bills. So he started a side gig of writing commercial jingles and found some success singing about being all you can be in the army and did some advertisements for various soda companies, including Coca-Cola, Dr. Pepper, and Pepsi. He's recalled a funny story a few times during interviews about how he once opened up a cooler and realized he had sung jingles for all the soda cans that were inside. Despite all these setbacks, Bolton really maintained a positive and optimistic attitude. He felt that although he wasn't a household name just yet, the experience he had developing music was invaluable, and the networking opportunities were also extremely important. Changing course a bit, his manager connected him with someone who worked for a record company called Polydor. Bolton eventually met with him. He said he loved his music and loved his voice, and he wanted him to be the lead singer of a rock band. It was the late 1970s at this point, and he was in his late 20s. So, Bolton joined the group Blackjack. It was a short-lived group lasting only two years, but they did release two albums and went on a small tour in the States. They also opened for Black Sabbath. I'll post a link in the show notes to one of their music videos. They look like a sort of typical hair band, but it's pretty obvious that despite their lack of success and poofy hair, that Michael Bolton really and truly had and has an amazing voice. During the time he was with Blackjack, he was also writing music for other musicians to perform. Eventually, someone from Columbia Records reached out to him and told him that he should give up the rock band in writing music for other artists. He told Michael that he was the one that should be performing. Apparently, secretaries who worked for Columbia Records kept taking home Bolton's demo tapes 
and let their bosses know how much they loved his voice and ultimately his talent for music. He would go on to release his first album with Columbia Records entitled Michael Bolton, which was released in 1983. This was his first time recording under his stage name Bolton instead of Bulletin. On the album cover, he looks a bit like a male version of Cher, with his wavy black hair and bangs, but it included his signature exposed chest hair, but this time it was flanked by a black leather jacket. This album features songs such as Fool's Game, which is probably the most popular song on the album, as well as a cover of the Supremes' hit song, Back in My Arms Again. And a fun fact about this album, guitarist Bruce Kulick from Kiss played on this album. Everybody's Crazy was released in 1985. This album cover, again, finds Michael Bolton in a leather jacket with a knee-length red button-up shirt, no chest exposure this time, and black leather pants. It wasn't a huge hit, but the song, Everybody's Crazy, was featured in the film Back to School starring Rodney Dangerfield. Reviews of the album were quite mixed, but I think most critics and the public in general all agree that Michael Bolton really has a unique and powerful voice. Bruce Kulick would join him again on this album playing guitar. The Hunger was released in 1987, and it is viewed as Michael Bolton's breakout album. For once, the album cover does not show him in a low-cut shirt, but rather in a black-and-white photo of him walking. His hair is clearly now lighter in color. His beautiful long locks are being blown back by a gust of wind, or perhaps a large fan, depending on where the photo was taken, which isn't clear. It features the hit ballad, That's What Love Is All About. He also did cover of Otis Redding's hit song, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, which his widow allegedly approved of. This album has sold over 2 million copies. Members of the band Journey played music for this album, and Randy Jackson, who you may remember as one of the original judges from American Idol, played bass on a few songs. Soul Provider was released in 1989. The album spent an incredible amount of time on the Billboard charts almost four years, and it peaked at number three. Some of the hit songs on this album included Soul Provider, How Can We Be Lovers, and How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? How Am I Supposed to Live Without You is another memorable music video of his as he spends most of it dressed in a black pantsuit and the sport coat clearly has shoulder pads sewn in. He also belts out the lyrics while sitting on a wooden bistro chair faced backwards, which really adds to the dramatic emphasis. Sort of reminds me of A.C. Slater and Saved by the Bell. He also had a habit of turning around black banquet-looking chairs every time he went to the max with Zach and Kelly. But anyways, another successful song that faced some criticism as it was a cover was Georgia On My Mind. Originally, this song was recorded with a musician by the name of Michael Brecker playing saxophone, but his part was eventually cut out, and it was played by none other than jazz icon of the 1990s, Kenny G. And a fun fact about Kenny G, did you know that he is incredibly popular in China? Yeah, that's right, he is. The reason is because one of his songs entitled Going Home is played to signal the end of the business day at various locations throughout the country, including gyms, malls, and train stations. Coincidentally, a recent comment on the video on YouTube said, the only thing that calms me down at the end of a day of hard work, these magical melodies. My parents were huge fans of Kenny G when I was growing up. And I know that that song, Going Home, among many other Kenny G songs, was often blasting on our humongous 
stereo system in our living room, especially on weekends. Nothing says a weekend's here, let's kick up our feet like some Kenny G. You know what I'm saying? 1991 saw the release of Time, Love, and Tenderness, and produced a slew of relatively well-known hits including Love is a Wonderful Thing, Missing You Now, Time, Love, and Tenderness, and a cover of Percy Sledge's hit ballad, When a Man Loves a Woman. Percy Sledge, in case you didn't know, is a multi-million copy-selling recording artist who was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2005. He was actually an orderly in a hospital before making it big as a singer. It's pretty cool. Jim Carrey did a pretty hilarious parody of Bolton's version of this song on the show in Living Color, which we watched constantly growing up. He has on a long, blonde, curly-haired wig, as well as an oversized white pantsuit, again with a sport coat with huge shoulder pads, He basically sings about how Bolton swiped the song from another artist and profited from it. Carrie belts out some modified sarcastic lyrics, which are starting to really strain his vocal cords, and all of a sudden his head explodes off and lands in the audience, and women are starting to fight over the various parts of his decapitated body. It's kind of morbid, but hilarious all at the same time. I will post a link to the video in the show notes. Some Greatest Hits albums followed in 1992 and 1993. Bolton's ninth album, The One Thing, was released in 1993 and features my sister's favorite Michael Bolton song, Said I Loved You But I Lied, which reached number six on the Billboard charts. It was not as successful as some of his previous albums, but for diehard Bolton fans, it was an excellent piece of work. It sold over three million copies in the U.S. alone. A Christmas album was released in 1996, and All That Matters was released in 1997. Again, both of these albums didn't achieve as much success as his previous albums, which some critics feel is due to the rise in popularity of pop music at this time. Some of the biggest pop and hip-hop music names around 1997 include Jewel, Backstreet Boys, Puff Daddy, later P. Diddy, Spice Girls, and a few of my personal favorites including Aaliyah, Missy Elliott, 112, and Luscious Jackson. Many other Michael Bolton albums have been released in the 30 years since his major success with Time, Love, and Tenderness, which, by the way, has sold over 10 million copies. There have been some live albums, additional Greatest Hits albums, a Frank Sinatra covers album, a duets album, and an album with songs from hit movies. His most recent album was released in 2019 and was called A Symphony of Hits which, as you can imagine, is comprised of Michael Bolton's most memorable songs backed by an orchestra. While doing my research about Michael Bolton, I found out some pretty interesting kind of fun facts about him, and I'll share a few of them here. Michael Bolton actually does an impressive impersonation of Rodney Dangerfield. Apparently, they were actually pretty close friends, and Rodney saw him in concert multiple times. He is a vegetarian and has been for over 45 years, which is probably one of the other reasons why my sister loves him so much. He has reportedly said he made the decision to do this to stay healthy and thus maintain his voice. Those beautiful, beautiful pipes. He has written over 100 songs for other musical artists, including but not limited to Jay-Z, Cher, Kanye West, Kiss, and Barbra Streisand. Oprah is one of Michael Bolton's heroes, which, that's a very good choice. And at one point, there was a rumor that he wanted to host his own talk show. 
Bolton has been romantically involved with actress Nicolette Sheridan off and on over the years. They were initially introduced by Kenny G. Wow. Good job, Kenny. In 1993, he started the Michael Bolton Charities with the goal of aiding women and children who are the victims of domestic violence or are coping with poverty or street violence. That organization is still active today. He is also the Honorary Chairman of Prevent Child Abuse America and is the National Chairman for This Close for Cancer Research. He has written a book aimed at children called The Secret of the Lost Kingdom with Disney's publisher Hyperion. And I looked at that book because I thought, I'm sure that's out of print. But actually, it is still available. It has really good reviews. And there's only one copy left currently on Amazon. So if you want to read your kids a book by Michael Bolton before they go to bed, get on it and get on it now. When Michael Bolton was 15 years old, he began studying Buddhism and is interested in learning about various religions while still respecting that he was raised in a kosher household. Michael is actually not the only musician in his family. Apparently, his mother played the piano, and his older brother, Oren, was really into music like we discussed earlier, but he actually pursued music as a career as well. And he looks almost exactly like Michael, just a bit older. Racism was not tolerated in Bolton's household growing up. Martin Luther King Jr. was looked at with the utmost respect and was idolized by his family. Later, as an adult, Bolton often took his daughters to the Atlanta-based King Center to learn about civil rights as the girls were growing up. He actually got to meet King's widow, Coretta Scott King, during the 25th anniversary of his passing. He has received the Martin Luther King Jr. Award from the Congress of Racial Equality. Further, he has received a Muhammad Ali Humanitarian Award and the Ellis Island Medal of Honor. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, Michael Bolton had nine failed albums in 18 years. But he never gave up, and thankfully he didn't, as he would go on to sell over 65 million albums in his many decades-spanning career. He has performed with the likes of B.B. King, Luciano Pavarotti, and Ray Charles. He has six grandchildren. Michael Bolton is the name of a character in the cult classic film Office Space, which is one of my favorites. In the movie, the character of Michael Bolton is very frustrated that he has the same name as a musical crooner. He's often asked if they are related or if he likes his music, and he always angrily responds with no. It's one of the funniest parts of the whole movie. The comedy video site FunnyOrDie.com did a remake of some of the infamous Michael Bolton scenes with the actual Michael Bolton reciting all the famous lines and other classic scenes. It's pretty funny. I'll post a link in the show notes. In 2011, he starred in a digital short on SNL called Jack Sparrow. It has been viewed over 200 million times on YouTube and is hysterical. Essentially, it's a music video about two completely different things. Andy Samberg's character and his friends are singing about meeting women in a club and all the different things they can do. And Michael Bolton keeps coming in with a hook completely unrelated to the song. And it's always about movie plots. And oftentimes he's dressed as a character from the movie. It's it's quite funny. I'll post a link in the show notes. And just as a warning, the lyrics in this video are not very children friendly. Just to put that out there. In 2013, he released a biography called The Soul of It All, My Music, My Life. It has four and a half stars on Amazon, and they currently only have one copy left as of the recording of the show, just like the children's book. Order it now. You'll thank me later.
He has his own fragrance line called Time, Love, and Tenderness. It can be found on his website, michaelbolton.com, and can only be shipped in the United States. My deepest apologies to the show's international listeners. And again, I apologize. I have to do my central narrator voice because I just I can't speak in my normal tone. On the website, it is described as Capturing the essence of one of Michael's hit albums and songs, Time, Love, and Tenderness is a three-piece fragrance collection designed to be both delicate and romantic. A soulful fragrance for women. And finally, I think my favorite kind of random Michael Bolton story is in 1993, he played in a charity softball game which aired on TV. It pitted his team, the Bolton Brothers, which was comprised of Michael, of course, and his bandmates, and they played against Jordan's Air Force, which was comprised of Michael Jordan and a team of famous celebrities, including Tom Selleck, Chris Chelios, Magic Johnson, and MC Hammer, which I'm hoping that somehow I can work in MC Hammer into every episode because there's like six degrees of MC Hammer. Move over, Kevin Bacon. MC Hammer's the new one. They were coached by the amazingly gifted athlete Bo Jackson. And would you believe it, Michael Jordan's team, again, which had athletes on it, and MC Hammer was a really good baseball player, but Michael Bolton's team won 7-1. to one. Yeah, how you like them apples getting beaten by Michael Bolton? You'd think maybe this horrible loss would have prevented Michael Jordan from going into the profession of baseball. He played on a minor league team for a little bit. But that happened in 1994, and this game happened in 1993. This should have been some indication to Michael Jordan that maybe he should stick with basketball. I hope you've enjoyed this look back at the life and career of Michael Bolton, a world-famous musician who embraces his past, filled with long hair, shoulder pads, controversial cover songs, and an undeniable drive and talent. Although I would never describe myself as a Bolton buddy, which is allegedly the nickname for superfans, which is not very creative, but I think it's hard to argue that not only does he have a pretty amazing voice, he actually does a lot to try and make the world a better place, which is quite refreshing to hear when the world feels so dark right now at times. I also think he's not given enough credit for all of his songwriting efforts, writing songs both for himself and other musicians. Further, Bolton has been so harshly critiqued throughout his career and poked fun at countless times, but he really doesn't seem to take that to heart. He just keeps moving forward and working hard, and that certainly has paid off. If you are enjoying the Pop Culture Retrospective podcast, please consider subscribing on whichever podcast platform you use. Please also consider rating the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It helps the show out quite a lot. Thank you so very much for tuning in and for your support. Please tell your friends and family about this show. Please feel free to contact me. My email address is popcultureretrospective at gmail.com, or you can tweet me. I'm at popcultureretro. And as of the recording of this show... We are at about 400 downloads of the show. I'm thinking that maybe when the show is released, we will be at the 400 mark. And that's amazing. And it's not about the numbers, but it's just pretty incredible that people are relating to these stories. Thank you so very much. I hope you will join me for my next show, where we will be discussing the fascinating life of RuPaul Andre Charles, known on stage as simply RuPaul. Until then, be kind, be safe, 
and hold on to your memories.